characters. We begin a series today, our Christmas series. Happens once a year, <laughs> just like your birthday. And this year we're going we're gonna to learn some life lessons from the people in your nativity set. You got one of those at home, you see them in the neighborhood. And just as we're getting rolling on Christmas... It's a good idea to start early and start thinking about what it's all about. You know, and I'm talking about the Christmas story. I'm talking about the birth of Christ, but just the whole season in general. How many of you already got your Christmas tree up? And let me ask you, friends, some of you get smiles on your face. Others of you are glad it's done. Did you, did you finally learn your lesson and not just shove all the lights in a box and say, I'll untangle it next year? Or did you wind them up nice and neat? And unfolded they became, leaped themselves to the tree. No, no, we, we don't learn that lesson at all, do we? And it's part of the holiday spirit, untangling lights. Yeah. You know, when it comes to learning things, Experience is a great teacher. Unfortunately, we are rarely ever good students when it comes to experience. So we keep taking that class over and over again. And experience is is really a marvelous teacher. But if you're going to learn from experience, it is best to learn from someone else's experiences. As someone else goes through trials and turmoil and challenges along the way, Pay attention and see what you can learn. It may not be your turn yet, but your day may come. We're going to talk about someone here today, circled in yellow up here on the screen. As we begin our series, we're going to, we're going to take a look at Mary. But before we do, friends, let's pray together. Father, God, we are here today to worship you to celebrate from our heart, from our voices, God, and from our minds. We are here to to learn more from your word, to understand more who you are and how you work, but God, also to be prepared for what lies ahead. God, teach us here today. Spirit of God, fill this place. It is my prayer. God, fill me. Be the teacher here today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at, uh, at the Gospel of Luke this morning. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. You kind of look at the uh, nativity here and you, you're like, well, you got the shepherd over there and there's the wise guys and, uh, and the angels over here and you got Jesus. But I thought we'd start with Mary because, you know, ladies first and all. And... Uh, <laughs> And there's, there's uh, other than the, you know, Matthew starts with Joseph, Luke starts with Mary. We're going we're gonna to start with uh, Mary here this morning. And again, our, our, our goal here through this series is to learn some life lessons. Each person at the Nativity has something to teach us here. You know, the focus, of course, will be Jesus. That will be the highlight. We're going to see as this series crescendos towards, uh, towards Christmas. Today we're going to begin with Mary, and I think, I think we, we all know the story here. We're all pretty f- familiar with it. And so I just want to take some moment and just kind of slow it down a little bit 
and makes some really good observations, I think, of what's going on. This, uh, this account that we're going to see here in Luke chapter uh, 1, starting in verse 26, is based, uh, formulated based on two visits. This account has two visits. And within these uh, two visits, we have uh, some very important lessons to hold on to here this morning. So let's take a look here. The, the motto here is to be prepared. You know, if you were in the Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts or any of them, be prepared. And, uh, and, and sometimes you say, well, how can you be prepared if you don't know what's coming? Well, you, you know, the, the motto doesn't mean to carry everything you own just in case you need it. Although I know that's why women carry those giant bags and why sometimes men were just really thankful they did. <laughs> Although most of the time we just wonder. But it's more than that. It's not about what you have in your hand, friends. It's about how you've prepared inside in your habits and your practices and your beliefs. And so join me as, as, as we jump in here in verse 26. And we notice the first visit is with an angel. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Every one of those words, it seems, in verse 27 is essential in this story. You have the word virgin. Now, the the word virgin can uh, reference in the Old Testament, different uh, word, of course, in the Hebrew. It could reference just a young lady. It is likely that Mary was between the ages of 13 and 15. If you are here and you are between the ages of 13 and 15, just go ahead and stand up. Come on, you never get to do that except when we're singing, so just do it. Come on, help us out here. Between 13 and 15. And just take a look and you're like, oh, they're so young. Look at them. That's Mary. I don't know about you, but in my mind, go ahead and sit down. Oh, you can stand up if you want, but go ahead and sit down. In my mind, I think of Mary somewhere in the 30s. Don't you? I mean, when you think of this story, when you think of this account, you think, this is a woman. My goodness, this woman is, this is almost a child. And that is going to be even more profound as we learn some lessons about this this young lady. The first thing I notice from this visit is that she is favored with a special message. So again, in the sixth month, Angel Gabriel's come to her, and he's coming to a virgin, betrothed to a man. That word betrothed is, 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 is like a, a junior varsity marriage. I mean, you're in the game here. There was a license, so to speak, to be engaged. It was very official, not just between friends and family. Very, very, uh, very serious thing. And, and to be unengaged, uh, if that's a word here, uh, would, would, would be very similar to a divorce. And only for the most severe of circumstances would it take place. Betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, and, and notice this, who was of the house of David. There are some things at stake here. You see, God made some promises to David. 
You remember in 2 Samuel chapter 7, David wanted to build a house for God. David wanted to build this temple. And he, and he talked to the prophet Nathan about this. And Nathan said, do what your heart desires. I mean, this is a good thing, right? But not every good thing is the thing that God wants you to be doing right now. And so after Nathan said, go ahead and do it, Nathan turned around with a word from God and said, that's nice, David. You want This is the David translation, okay? You want to do something good for me, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to do something good for you. And he made a promise about the house of David, and he talked about his dynasty, that only someone from the line of David would have the right to sit on a throne over God's people, Israel. And in that prophecy, he looked so far forward to a day when the Messiah would sit on that throne and rule. So when we we come to this little expression from the line of David, we know that royalty is the feel of it. And the virgin's name, almost, almost as a... Oh, yeah, by the way, her name is Mary. It's as if all of these things are really what we ought to be looking for. Every little Jewish girl, since that promise, when she found that she was expecting, when she was with child, she might have wondered, will this be the one that was promised to David? The great prophets of old spoke of this day. Could he be the one? They waited with anticipation, just as you and I do today for Jesus. We wait patiently, anticipating the day when our Lord Jesus will return. So she is favored with this uh, very special message. He came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. You remember the last couple of weeks we talked about grace. Grace is the favor of God in our life. It is the positive impact of God's desire and his movements and his plans for us. And she is a favored one. Favor means you show good influence into someone's life. And that's exactly what God was going to do and what Gabriel was here to announce. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, with uh, can be taken a couple of different ways. Come on, Jimmy, go in there and get them. We're all with you, but we're going to stand over here. (laughs) Well, sometimes with is just emotional support. Sometimes it's actual presence. Both of those were the case in this circumstance. The Lord was with her. That means for her, but the Lord's presence was around her. So, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Friends, if there is anything you ought to seek in this world, it is the favor of God. Because it is the favor of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God that makes life worth living. It makes the impossible seem manageable. It is what it is that makes life worth living, friends. And here, Mary, news from heaven. Here's the news flash, Mary. You are favored by God. And we're going to see that develop here in the verses to come. 
And then she is favored not only by a special min, uh, message, she is uh, favored with this very special ministry. And we all know what that is. Verse 31 tells us, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And remember that name Jesus means Yahweh's salvation. It is the Hebrew word for Joshua. The Lord's salvation is how it is oft translated. But it means Yahweh's salvation. And so this, this, uh, this child is to be a very special child. Notice verse 32. He will be great and he will be called the son of of the Most High. So he, it's not that he's just a talented or good-looking boy. Friends, what makes this boy special is he is the Son of God, Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. I, I, t- I took some time this week to talk to Melanie about this because it, it, it is something that I, I know nothing about. It is the moment when you know that one day you'll hear that cry. It's that day where I better check something here. Whether you go to the doctor or to the drugstore and you find out I'm pregnant. And I asked Melanie, and it's, it's been a while now, but what do you remember when you heard the news? I mean, not, not just about all the plans and all of the nesting instinct that just jumps in. We got to... But that someone would be living inside of you, growing and developing. As I look around this room here, I see some of that was real recent. Some of you experiencing it right now. It is, it, to me, I think of aliens, if you saw that movie, and that, that thing coming out, ah, you know? Nothing living inside of me. So, so, so I ask... I mean, what was in this young girl's mind? And then to know it's the Son of God. I mean, we, we normally jump on the, what will everyone say? But friends, this is profoundly personal. I'm just a kid. Uh, you know, they, they got married, uh, arranged marriage, very young, so it wasn't outrageous for her. She was already betrothed to be married. But look at her response. This is what separates us. Th- this is where... Where the great divide takes place. You have something enormous that just plows its way into your life. Good, bad, and you know, there's no indifferent though. It's there and it's in your face and you have to respond. And it happens all of the time. And you know what makes the difference? What's inside. How you have prepared your life. You may not know what's coming but you know the kind of person you're going to be when you respond. So take a look here. She's favored with a special message that she is favored by God. 
And she's favored with a very special ministry. She is the one, that, the virgin that will give birth to the Messiah. The one who was promised to come and save Israel. And what qualified her? Well, verse 34 tells us that she was a virgin. Mary said to the angel, well, how, how will this be? Because I'm a virgin. There will be no list of who did I sleep with last. She had kept herself pure, and birth is never an accident. She was a virgin. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child to be, to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. Just a little argument here. Mary's listening to this going, what? The Holy Spirit's going to do what? Overshadow? What does that even mean? And just in case there's a little bit of doubt in Mary's mind, a little illustration. You know Elizabeth? Yeah. Yeah, that's a sad story. I mean, a godly couple, but no kids. Yeah, I got news for you. You see, with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing. Yeah, but she's nothing. Yeah, but what about nothing is impossible with God? Verse 37, right there it is. For nothing will be impossible with God. And here's the response, verse 38. Mary said, behold, this, this, is, this is the illustration of the tea bag. I don't know if you like to drink uh, tea. I do when it's really cold, and it's been really cold in the office recently. So I, so I make a, a nice big cup, a uh, plastic cup full of tea, and it's really hot, and I hold it like this, and it keeps me warm. And I put lemon in it, and, uh, and I put some honey, and it just doesn't matter. But what I'm talking about is the tea bag itself. You see, the tea bag has all this stuff inside, and the only way it comes out is when it's put in the hot water. And what comes out in your life with your in hot water? It's the stuff that's already inside you. And so here's Mary. Mary had stuff to do that day. I mean, Mary, when she woke up, just like you and I do, we think about our day and all the stuff we got going on and the work that needs to take place and the places you got to go. And here's this angel saying, guess what? I'm going to change your life. Well, what comes out? And Mary simply says this, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord, so let it be done according to your word. Just like that. No arguments. Well, God, why me? I mean, I got this nice heart, but you know, why me? I mean, why now? I mean, 
all the things that could come to mind of why not someone else? And Mary simply says this, I'm your servant. And you know what servants do? They obey. So I ask you this, how good are you at obeying? You're like, well, that's not really something I've been working on, you know, because I don't want to obey nobody. I want to be the boss. I want to do it my way. I want blue eyes. I want to sing in front of people. (sighs) There's a reference. Come on. (sighs) But what we ought to be practicing is servanthood, where we are quick to submit ourselves to others, to put someone else's needs and desires in front of our own. And apparently Mary had lived that out in such a way that she didn't have to, hey, can I, can I call a friend? Uh, can I, you know, um, can I talk this over? There was no hesitation. Do you see this? I mean, does this not blow you away? This girl, maybe, maybe a teenager, her brain is not fully developed yet. I'm your servant. If that's what God wants, that's what God can have in my life. Friends, that's a huge lesson right there. Practice submitting yourself to God. That's a life lesson that will bring about success in your life. It was only until Moses submitted to God that he became the great Moses Only when he made himself a servant of the Lord did he become great. Practice submission. You want to live the life that God has called you to live? Learn to submit. Learn to obey. That was just her first visit. But the second visit starts here in verse 39. Obedience isn't easy, friends. And you know why it's not easy? Because we are our whole lives just throwing our will against everyone. I want this, and I want that, and I want, I'm hungry, and I'm thirsty, and I'm tired, and I'm, and everything starts with an I. And we build into that. But we don't even say no to ourselves. Well, but we say no to everyone else. And that has to change. We have to learn to say no to good things on a regular basis. Because when we are able and disciplined in saying no to ourselves, it is then that God can call upon us because he knows we will obey. Some of us are sitting on the sidelines and like deep on a bench. I mean, the game is going on out there, and we're back here talking about how cold the water is in the jug, and we're so far out of the game that we don't even believe there's a game going on anymore. And we've just made life out in the corners back here. And we got our own stuff happening. You know, and when we talk to God about this stuff over here, We're in this enormous thing going on over here called life. I mean, God wants to change the world. 
What's on your agenda? Practice submission, friends. Submission to God has no excuses in front of it. Well, yeah, but that's, you know, that, I don't feel called for that. What do you mean called? God commanded you. He didn't invite you. Get on it. We're just so much about our will and our way. We talk about the Lord's Prayer as if it's nothing but a song. Friends, it's how we should live. And so the lesson here is to submit yourself to God. How do you do that? Practice submission. Saying no to you and yes to someone else. Here, you take the seat. Here, you go through first. You know what? Go ahead, ma'am. Take your cart through there. I can wait. I still have strong legs. It's about a practice of saying no to you so that you, like Mary, will be ready to say yes to God. Well, visit with an angel. Can it get any better than that? How about a visit with a family member? Verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Perhaps this is nothing more than a faith-building exercise. The angel said, my my family member Elizabeth, oh, that dear godly woman, that that she was going to have a baby. I mean, she was barren. They tried and they tried. And in those days, you know, living under the Old Testament, they didn't have kids. It must have meant that something was wrong. We know in this case it was not. It was a matter of timing. And so great joy overflowed. Now think about this for Mary. She didn't run in there going, hey, I want to have a baby. She was excited about someone else. What about Elizabeth? I mean, Elizabeth, she's going to have a baby. She's all excited about this. You can read about her story some more in chapter 1. How God announced all that stuff to her husband first. Tough to believe. I mean, he was so stunned, he was speechless. Oh, just read chapter one, you'll get it. <laughs> and so Mary arose and she, she runs into the hills, hill country. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of a greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. I mean, what a great moment. God just confirming over and over that what he said is true. Now, God doesn't need to confirm his word. God doesn't lie. But how great it is that God works around us every day to emphasize the truthfulness of his word, to build our faith that we might believe in him wholeheartedly and that when he calls us, we will obey passionately. But notice verse 45 here. 
I mean, you know, Elizabeth can get lost in all of this. You know, in chapter 1, God, the angel had told Zechariah, hey, your son's going to be the leader, you know, go ahead for, uh, for the, the coming Messiah. You know, he's going to lead the way, but the Messiah's coming. And Elizabeth could have, you know, got all kind of wrapped up in herself, but, but this is what she lands on. 45, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And again, this, this stuff just keeps pounding. Mary, remember, 13 to 15 years old, she's a kid. And she's putting some adults to shame here this morning, including a guy in front of you. Her faith was great. She believed God's word. I mean, Mary believed God's word. That's what's being celebrated here. God spoke. You understand it. You accept it as true, and you act upon it. She had heard that Elizabeth was was pregnant, was going to give birth, and she acted on it. She heard it. She accepted it as true, and she acted on it. That's what faith looks like. And Mary believed God's word. And then look at how Mary responds here, friends. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty And he has helped his servant, Israel, in remembering of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. And the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. I read that stuff, and you know what happened? Your mind went into... Just be honest about it. Am I right? You're like, what is this girl talking about? You know, that that certainly is unrelatable to us, is it not? We don't go into the, and he rode the bus, and he drove really good, and he makes good left turns, and and, and all kinds of seemingly random celebratory words. We just go, yay. And you know what the really indictment is here? Is what Mary said is all Scripture. Every last word of it. Not, it wasn't like a paragraph out of the Old Testament. It was little bits and pieces that she had brought together in celebration. And you know what it tells us? Is that that not only did Mary believe God's Word, Mary memorized God's Word Apparently, she took it serious 
when David exalted us to hide God's word in our heart. And do you know what that simply means as we read it and we chew on it? We take it in and it begins to guide the way we think about things. What bullets are to a gun, the Word of God is to the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of God that takes the Word of God and uses it in our life. Sparks what we know about Scripture, about the truth of God, and He uses that to guide and direct us. Yeah, I've told you about my... uh, my GPS in my car, and you open up the trunk, and there's a little DVD player that runs the whole thing. Yeah, it's really old, okay? It's really old technology. But I'll tell you what, friends. It's a really good illustration. You take away that CD in there, and you got no instruction in where to go. It doesn't matter if it's on and it's plugged in and the audio is up and anything else. If it's not loaded with the info, there's no way it can give you guidance. And so Mary, she's willing to humbly submit to a God that she knows. And she knows this God because she has studied the Word. And this is really amazing to us. We anticipate, well, you know, all of these Bible people, they sit around and read the Bible all day long. She did not have a copy, a personal copy of the Scriptures. This was not something that every family or even every individual, let alone every individual, have as a copy of the Scriptures all to herself. It wasn't leather bound. It was on leather. <laughs> I mean, th- th- this is something that was one copy if your town was large enough. How did she know this stuff? I'm guessing she came with a perhaps different attitude than we do sometimes when we meet together to study the Word of God. I'll bet her conversations at home maybe sounded different than ours. This was life to her. The way you and I eat, that's the way she studied. We're not really big about missing a meal, are we? We know what time it is, and we judge it by when when the next time we're going to eat. But her appetite for the Word of God was different. Not only did she believe God's Word, not only did she memorize God's Word, friends, she praised God with God's words. And really, if you're going to come up with a way to praise God, can you come up with better words than God's? That is a different way of looking at it, isn't it? Mary, remember, she's 13 to 15, not 60 years in studying the Word of God, friends. It just became her diet. She lived on it. She thought about it. She studied it, grappled to understand it and to live it. And when the time came, friends, she was ready. She knew the promises of God and the prophecies of God, the character of God, And when God had a word for her personally, she was ready for it. Which just leaves us with this question here, is what about me? 
just with the people in this room. Could we put together even a chapter in the Bible, let alone a book in the Bible, even a short one like Jude, just based on what we have internalized? How could we possibly be ready to do what God has called us to do if we have not taken time to internalize what he's already told us about himself and about this life and about how we ought to live it? Mary, she believed God's word. She didn't just acknowledge God's word, she believed it. And because she believed it, she internalized it, she memorized it, and she praised God with it. And so the lesson here is that we ought to immerse ourselves in God's Word. Immerse yourself. Yeah, put it on your walls. My guess is that at least half the people here, somewhere, on some wall, a mirror, someplace, you've got something that references God be it a poster, just a verse stitched out, printed out, whatever it is. But friends, let's get it off our walls and into our hearts. And I know that maybe sometimes that's just a step. If we can get it in front of our eyes, and the eyes are the window to our heart, maybe we can get it in. But we have to be intentional about it. And and you know what? It's probably not going to happen by next week, you know? I mean, to really get to the level. But how about we just make it a habit? How about we just are uh, just a a bit more intentional about internalizing? We memorize Scripture not to win contests. We memorize Scripture so that we know the truth of the Word of God, that we know that we know what God has said, what He has promised, how He has said things, how He has dealt with other people. We internalize it not to win a contest because we remember the and and the also in the right place. We memorize it so the Spirit of God can use it in our life to encourage us, to embolden us, and to guide us as we face choices, very, very difficult choices in our life. So friends, load up, load up. It starts with reading it, meditating on it, considering it, looking at it from different angles, considering what it might be like to be living in it and internalizing it that way. And so perhaps we could sum these little visits this way. Life lessons from Mary, prepare to be used by God by studying his word and submitting when he calls us. Study the word of God, immerse yourself in the word of God and live it out, which is always the best way to know how it works. You can see a pair of pants in a magazine or online. You can see them on a hanger in a store, but you never know what they're like till you're wearing them. Exactly where they fit. Are they too tight, a little loose? What they feel like when you're walking around, it's like that with a pair of shoes, and it's like that with the Word of God. You never really know it until you're living it. So a couple of action points here. How about this? Know God's Word. I think we've been beating that one pretty hard. But make it your 
your life's work to know the Word of God. So when we have this thing like second hour, get there. It's another opportunity to take it in. You drive and turn on a, a station <coughs> that's preaching God's Word. I know there's that great new song, and you haven't heard it for a while, so it's probably coming up. It's coming up. It's going to be the next song, maybe. How about the Word of God, friends? How about the Word of God? So know it, live it out. Again, put it on and stretch it and walk around inside some obedience to God's Word. And when you've lived it out, friends, you'll never forget it. And then finally... And this one doesn't even seem logical, but teach it. You say, I don't have the gift of teaching. You don't have to have the gift of teaching to teach something. You've lived it. You understand it. You want to tell someone else about it. And I'll tell you what, you've never understood something the way you will until you've tried to teach it to someone else. And Einstein said it this way, you don't really understand something until you can explain it simply. And the simpler, the, 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 the better. Bring it down. This is what it means. These are the things you can hold on to. These are the things that dig deep into your heart, friends. Live the lesson of Mary. That young lady, little icon in your nativity scene. Pick it out, walk around the house with it and say, God, help me to be like this young lady. To know your word. And to respond obediently to when you speak and when you lead me. And when you tell me to talk to my neighbors about Jesus, I will. When you tell me to step out and let someone go first, I will. God, I, won't, I don't have to understand why. I just have to obey. And see how your world changes like Mary's. God help us. God, my fear here today is that we've heard it, and we agree with it, but we never do anything with it. God, I know it's your desire. I know we grieve the Holy Spirit of God when He convicts us of sin. Sometimes the sin is just standing there doing nothing when you've offered us life and to live it well. So God, help us. God, don't let us rest day after day. Take from us, God, whatever it is you must take, our rest, our sleep, our peace even, God, until we live this life the way you want us to live it. God, we need your discipline. God, connect us with others, God, that will have a, a drive and they will, they will pull us in their direction. Or God, if we already have it, let us bring someone else along with us. But God, let us not remain the way we are today. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.